Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever edition of the Spitballers podcast. Uh, my name's Jordan, co-host is Jack. A uh, little introduction about myself, uh, United fan from Manchester, believe it or not, no matter how many people say United fans aren't from Manchester. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while, so we're going to get it going. Uh, Jack, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm also a fellow Manchester United fan, so expect this podcast to be nothing but absolute Manchester United <laughs> biased, which is which is all good though. So you know we, we've gone with not the Man United podcast, so we, we have kept it a bit more, um, you know, I guess across the board. We are going to be discussing obviously lots of other different teams. Um, I guess the future plan really with this podcast is just to talk about everything football, follow through the season, and hopefully we can get some you know guests on in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um... So let's just get straight into it. Obviously, season starts tomorrow. Uh, football's finally back. I don't know if we're watching Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Finally, watch some decent football. So, <laughs> there we go, uh, no comment yeah, on that one. There we go. Straight into <laughs> it. Uh, first things first. Let's talk about the transfer window. Uh, let's do a big roundup of that. Um, see what teams have made the big money moves so yeah yeah absolutely I mean initially with the transfer window we're going to kind of been focusing a little bit on kind of the big clubs the big moves obviously that I'm sure there'll be fans of clubs like Bournemouth like Fuller maybe watching um but initially we're just kind of going to discuss the kind of big teams big moves things that have happened and I'm sure later down in the podcast we'll, we'll discuss further about your teams as well yeah absolutely um like you said there are some surprising teams that have made some big moves i suppose um especially for the club size um but yeah focusing on the big teams that have made obviously every every top six top seven team um has made a big team player move so first off obviously starting with arsenal um i've got to say the biggest surprise one in this for me was kai havertz coming from chelsea uh obviously yeah london rival um that's the thing though isn't it i mean you, you look at the history of these two clubs, they do so much business between each other for rivals. It's a, it's a, definitely a weird one. Yeah, it's. I think it's even more surprising just because of Havertz's performance last season as well. I don't yeah. think he's yeah. ever got running under Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Jack's going to be our stat man for today. Uh, stat man. So, <laughs> I mean, if you are jumping some a uh, couple of stats about yeah, Kai Havertz no, so- first. Absolutely, yeah. So we've done a, a little bit of background research on the players. So as we kind of go through, we, we have got a few stats, but we are going to obviously give a bit of our opinion more than anything. Um, kicking it off with Kai Havertz, we, we wanted to take a look really, really at kind of where he was played with Chelsea, where he was kind of utilised. And it was in that kind of false nine position. And in some games, I guess last season, Chelsea didn't really have that kind of um, striker outlet. So obviously yeah. Havertz was kind of relied on a lot. But interestingly, when you take a look at his statistics from last season, he actually didn't get a single assist recorded in the Premier League. Now, I know he did record one in the FA Cup, um, but in the Premier League, he, wasn't, he didn't actually contribute with any assists. And, and then it, when you look at him from a striker perspective, he only scored seven. So not the most amazing statistics. I guess the question really for, for you guys and, and you, Smithy, is, is does he make it any better at Arsenal? Um, I don't believe for the price tag, he makes Arsenal better. Mm-hmm. I believe he's just. I mean, it's, somehow he gets in there starting eleven. I don't know how. Um, I don't know why he's. To me, he's a player with a question mark on his actual position. Um, obviously, like you said, at, um, Chelsea tried striker didn't work. Um, I always thought he would have been that number ten role, but yeah, yeah. I think, I think for me as well, 
he's going to try and play a position that Odegaard already fills. It's like, so yeah, exactly. you've already got your creator, like as a Man United bias fan would say, you've got the, you know, the lesser good Bruno Fernandes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so, but, you know, he's, he's as much as I don't like Arsenal as a Man United fan, he's, he's quality, isn't he, Odegaard? You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's oh, yeah, that link up. He will find the pass. And I just think Havertz, where he might struggle in that team is, is he going to try and maybe step on the toes of Odegaard as he tries to step into the positions that Odegaard might fill? I don't really see Arsenal utilise him as a striker because once his Jesus fit again, obviously Jesus missed a lot last season due to injury. I think we saw the best of Jesus. You know, before we got injured, he was scoring goals. It's difficult to see where he fits in. Yeah, uh, like I said, Jesus, I think he did start to blossom a bit um, when he came into his own. Uh, obviously, injuries again, another player. Uh, which is a shame to see because obviously Arsenal went on that great run. Uh, I think there was some ridiculous stat like ninety percent or something yeah. like that. It has been number top of the table and then unfortunately bottled it. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Any Arsenal fans <laughs> in here? Bottled. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, uh, for me, Kai Havertz for Arsenal um, potential backup to Odegaard. But if you're paying that price tag, yeah. you don't want him as a backup. I, th- I think I think we're going to move on to obviously Julian Timber in a second as well. And I think yeah. the one thing I do just want to mention about Havertz and where I think Havertz and Timber are the, the same type of player for Mikel Arteta is I think what they realised last season, especially from City, I think what everyone's realised City is squad depth. Squad depth yeah. is like so important because City have been able to field like a second team that I reckon would probably finish top 10. So I think for, for, for Arsenal, Timber and Havertz are both depth players. I mean, you know, if you can take off Odegaard and replace him with Havertz and you can take off like Saliba and replace him with Tim, I think that's quality replacements. To spend over a hundred million on potential bench players is a lot of money. I know we're Man United fans and we can't talk when it comes to spending transfer fees, yes. but we'll but get into that. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot for for a bench for you know for squad rotation. Yeah. Uh well Timber for me is an interesting one. Um Obviously, I think we should move on to him. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, uh, he was linked to United when Ten Hag first come. Yeah. Um, very versatile across the back four, can play anywhere, which I think is probably the biggest benefit for Arsenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me seeing uh, being played at left-back position. Okay. Uh, especially when pre-season, we obviously United played against Arsenal. Um, he's just got oh, that. Won, by the way. For anyone that didn't know. <laughs> I know they say preseason doesn't matter and all that, but you know, I mean, technically, won, I mean, we won yeah. the game and then won the penalties yeah. after. So. The only game that we tried all preseason, <laughs> we won, so, you know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Timber's someone who stuck out for me in the Arsenal team. Um, calm on the ball, but he's also got that tenacity about him. Um, yeah. He's not afraid to get stuck in, um, kind of like Martinez in a way. Yeah. Not that big of a player, but not afraid of anyone, not afraid it's, to get stuck in. It's actually quite interesting what you just mentioned then about kind of. His versatility on the on the ball because um, when we look at the statistics of Timber, um, he actually averaged a ninety point five touches per game last season in the Eredivisie. So, what that obviously you know kind of tells us he's comfortable on the ball. His teammates obviously have a lot of faith in Timber that they can kind of feed it to him maybe from the keeper or they can you know play yeah. the ball along the back. You know to have ninety point five touches and be a defender, that's a lot of time to be picking up the ball and moving it. So yeah, I think what he does offer to an already I would say comfortable Arsenal defence. I think Saliba. Um, and Gabriel are both the same type of player. I think they're quite comfortable yeah. with the ball at their feet. I think he's the kind of right signing for Arsenal because it's exactly the way that they play from the back. Yeah, absolutely. Like you just said then, um, I think to touch on, I think all of Arsenal's back line um, now, if you see it, uh, all comfortable on the ball, not yeah. afraid to have the ball played into the feet. 
I think Saliba and Gabriel had a ridiculous amount of touches and passes last season as well. So I think Timber, as in addition to that, um, I think it's... I can't see him being used as a backup. I think I think he walks into that defence, to be honest with you. It's... um. They always say, don't they, in football, that competition for places is is important for any manager. Yeah. And I think this is the absolute headache that Arteta would want. You know, if he's got Saliba and Gabriel, who are already, you know, let's be let's be honest, we're fantastic centre backs last season. Yeah, I think this is a headache he wants to bring in somebody like Timber, who will threaten the position of both of those two centre backs. It just it just asks for more from them. Yeah, no, absolutely, can't agree more. Yeah. Uh, so, Jackie Rice, Rice, on. baby. You know what? I am not looking forward to a season full of Arsenal fans and that Arsenal TV chanting "Rice, Rice, Baby" every time he gets the ball. <laughs> I, that's a season I'm not looking forward to. I tell you. I mean, there's only one worst thing that comes to mind about that, and that's City fans with Baby Shark. Well, yeah, Baby Shark. Well. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's definitely going to be up there. But um, tell you what, 105 million though it took him to get him. Yeah. Uh, not surprising. No. Um, obviously, you've got the English tax. Which yeah. adds a astronomical amount to any player. I mean, obviously United, Maguire, eighty million. Same with Sancho. Mm-hmm. Um, English tax, English players. I I understand why the price tag's so high for them, but in a way, I think it's kind of leaning towards that ruining the football. Because mm-hmm. if you're selling someone like Declan Rice for hundred and five million, it's just then you might get like a mid mid average player. Yeah. What's their price tag going to be? Yeah. Like if, if 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 a team values someone in their team as much as West Ham did with Rice, might not be as good as Rice, obviously. But if that team values him as much, that obviously is going to drive the price up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the big thing as well. I think what you've also got to take into consideration with Declan Rice is you had Arsenal who made it very clear from the get-go that this is the player that they wanted. So you've got West Ham who are in a position where they know they can ask for those prices. And I think it was extremely sneaky by our wonderful neighbours to just start showing, f- <coughs> I swear, showing interest in Declan Rice all of a sudden to just spike up the yeah. price from Arsenal. Um, they did it with Ronaldo. You know, yep. whether the rumour was true or not, who knows? Let's be honest, it was probably just to make us pay more because we do that. It's it's a typical, it, it's almost like City are so good at business to the point where they, they're great at getting players for nothing, but yep. also making everyone else pay more. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's... The it's... It's just the effects they have, obviously. Um, If City going for a team, uh, going for a player, sorry, um, most teams will then move their eyes to the same player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If someone is a City stature going for someone, they're not going to go for anyone bottom line, are they? They're going to go for someone who's either going to be a good backup or someone who's going to be world-class and fit into the system. Absolutely, yeah. I mean... Another thing on Declan Rice really quickly, obviously, <coughs> just statistically how we've how we've kind of discovered his play. Um, I think everybody knows the type of player that Declan Rice is, but if you take yeah. a look at his stats from last season, he actually finished in the top five um, in terms of passes into the final third, so from a creating perspective, and he actually also finished in the top five for pass interceptions. So, you know, when you look at the image of a box-to-box midfielder, he's not he's, he's top five in terms of making plays, and he's also top yeah. five in stopping plays. Absolutely everything you would want from a box-to-box. Yeah, I think he's a complete package, obviously. Um, I've heard a few Arsenal fans being worried about him, but honestly, someone is shown it for the past few seasons now. Obviously, a Conference League winner. Um, He's shown what he can do. I I don't think there's any worry for Declan Rice at all um, in his future at Arsenal. 
Yeah. I think I think the other thing as well that you just need to pay attention to is like, and I know it all comes down to the players' interest in joining the club, but when you put into consideration that for, I don't <coughs> think it was much more, Real Madrid got Jude Bellingham, puts into perspective the type of money that you, you, you're playing with there. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Declan Rice is quality, but I think the fact that Real Madrid didn't pay much more to get Jude, who is 19 and tends yeah. to be one of the best midfielders in the world, that's where you start going, okay, that's a lot of money for Declan Rice. Yeah, well, that, that's that's again, that's uh, that's another thing we just spoke on. It's just spelling of young English sacks again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's why I think that price tag for Rice, I think it was more West Ham side than anything, just because yeah. they valued him so much. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's, he's, he's I think he's the, t- the the most influential player in that West Ham squad. Um, so to let him go was a big move for them. Absolutely. Um, so moving on to a surprise transfer one, which uh, we decided to add in just because of the actual transfers they've made, um, is Aston Villa. Yep. Uh, very interesting moves, very big moves as well. And not a lot of money spent for no. very good players. Um, yes. You have to almost say quality business from Aston Villa. Yeah, so I think the most surprising one for me was uh, obviously Paul Torres. Um, yeah. Very surprised that he decided to leave Spain to come to a team like Villa. Emery effect, I think, with that one. XM, you know, ex-player yeah. under Emery. I think if Emery's not at Villa, they don't get him. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just think there would have been more established teams across Europe who would have been interested in Torres. Yeah. Um, but again, we've seen... We've seen him in the uh, Europa League, Champions League, what he can do. Uh, we know he's a solid defender. Um, he's quite young, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not an old. Um, not an old player. Um, he is a player we have been linked with before. Obviously, um, if Man United fans sadly cast their eyes back to that incredible penalty shootout that went all the way to the hair taking <laughs> one, obviously they beat us that night. And I think he was yep. one of their best players. Yeah, we we had interest in him. Um, obviously, when we got knocked out um, in the final. Um, yeah, he's 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 a quality player. I think he's the perfect player for the Prem. I think he's one of the most physical centre backs in the Liga. Um, yeah, his aerial duels, his you know his strength is strong. I don't think the Prem is going to um, have the effect on him like some players will struggle to settle into the Prem. I don't think we'll find that. Yeah, with no, I think uh, another thing that adds to that, uh, like we said with Timber, I think he's very comfortable on the ball as well. Um, yep. He's not afraid to have the ball at his feet. So I think. The typical pressure that you get in a Premier League game, I don't think should have any effect on Paul Torres, but I'm very interested to see how he does in this Villa squad, 100%. Absolutely, yeah. No, So going into some stats about Paul Torres, touching upon something that you said then, and this one actually quite surprised me um, when I seen this. Um, but if you take a look at Paul Torres, so he's recorded the most touches, which was 2,560, uh, the most passes completed, 1,846, and actually the most passes into the final third, which is 275. Now, that actually gives him the statistic that that is based on all central defenders in the league. He is the top. He's the best for all of those stats out of every league league defender. And there are some quality league defenders. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm very surprised to hear the stats there. Yeah, that um, is. Uh, it, yeah. I definitely looked it up a few times. <laughs> when you first said it, I, yeah. thought, I thought he was involving all players, not just central defenders. I was like, no, Jesus yeah, Christ, no, did no, you just no, no. <laughs> he was, he's, he's Luka Modric and everybody involved. Absolutely. No, but yeah, no, I think when you look at those stats and you're you're basically statistically saying you've brought the best defender in the Liga for £33 million. Yeah, ridiculous, Adam. I think, like, yeah. like I said, I think that's why I was so 
Uh, that's why I wanted to put Villa in here. Main yeah. reason being Paul Torres. Um, I think I just think it's a very interesting signing. Obviously, it's a strength for Villa. Another addition to them that made them uh, that next step, I believe, uh, defensively. I think one thing that you said about Paul Torres was the whole like surprise and how Villa were able to lure such a player. Yeah. I think the player we're about to move on to is a massive surprise for me because the fact that they had the pull when this guy was being touted for United, Spurs, Chelsea. Yeah. This is a madness. So, obviously, speaking about Yuri Thielmans, yeah. um, a very strange one for me. Like you said, a lot of top, um, top clubs, Premier League, and I think quite a few clubs in Europe was looking at him yeah. as well. Um, so, my personal opinion, don't get me wrong, I think he has the potential. 100%. But from what I've seen of him, he can be very lazy as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you the the difficult point with Tielemans is it's always difficult to convince a fan base that you've signed a quality player that's been relegated. It's difficult. Yeah. I know that it's a team game and it's not just an individual, but at the end of the day, he was part of the eleven that got relegated from the Premier League. Yeah. So there's there's you know there's that to take into consideration, and it's difficult to convince fan bases sometimes that you've signed a good player because you're still you're still you're still a relegated team. Yeah, you were still part of that eleven. And I think you take a look at Tielemans as well statistically, right? He was the top 10 last season in the Prem. Bearing in mind, they got relegated in successful tackles. So, you know, yeah. that's still quite a large statistic. There's quite a lot of midfielders still above him. Obviously, the likes of Casemiro was in that list. Um, yeah. You know, but I think what Tielemans offers Aston Villa that maybe they don't have, I think John McGinn is quality. Um, I think Douglas Luiz is quality, but they're very defensive-minded individuals, in my personal opinion. I think yep. what you get with Tielemans is he's like, he's more inclined to pick the ball up in the middle and drive. Yeah, no, I agree in that sense. Um, like he's always shown glimpses of what he's capable of, um, and that's obviously what's attracted all the, the clubs that was interested in him. Yeah, I think the free price tag. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's a good pickup for Villa, whether mm. they choose to start him uh, or whether yeah. they choose him as a backup. I don't know, but I think that laziness is was probably the biggest uh, biggest factor for me because he kind of reminds me of a, a Martial, for instance. I know I'm using, we're probably going to end up using a lot of United players as comparisons. <laughs> um, obviously, just go what you see uh, watching, but Martial is probably one of the things that spring to mind the most. Um, talent and unbelievable raw talent. Um, yeah. Just doesn't apply himself, unfortunately. Yeah. Obviously, he's got the injuries as well, but it kind of reminds me of Tealman's uh, got got the potential, but just doesn't really want to put that if in. If I'm going to play a devil's advocate <clears throat> here with Tealman's and where I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt with his laziness is based on the fact that I generally think that he probably has more of a vision at Villa than he ever did have at Leicester. Like towards the back end, obviously post them winning the Prem, their decline, they, they fell down the league, they weren't getting the wins. I think he's come to Villa because of the vision that Emery is creating. Villa back into Europe for the first time in God knows how many years. You know, they're they finish in the top, you know, higher up in the table than you would ever expect Villa to do. So I think Tielemans has got the perfect platform now to really show why he is one of the best Belgian midfielders in that Belgium starting eleven. Um yeah. I think this is a real platform. I think if Tielemans is continues to be that lazy, not so good, just in the top tens and stuff, I think that will then tell us the type of player he is. I think if he yeah. if he if he has a, a quality season, I think it's all based on obviously the motivation and the manager that's behind him. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the ball's technically in his court now. Uh, yeah. What he chooses to do with his opportunity is down to him. Um, like you said, he's got a platform, he's got a team uh, back in Europe, like you said. Yeah. So, be an interesting season to what you can see, uh, see what he can do. Absolutely. Moving on to Moussa Diaba. Now, Fastest player in FIFA. Not going <laughs> to lie, don't know much about him at all. Um, okay. Obviously, yeah. like you just said, uh, know him off FIFA. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my knowledge to him is very limited, so I don't know if you want to try and take over. On this yeah, one. yeah. So, yeah. Moussa Diaby, um, obviously Bundesliga. So, we, we did a little bit of kind of a look at his kind of capability in terms of what he offers. Um, and what we discovered with Diaby was that actually across the top five leagues, um, he does, out of all the like, I guess, wide players and wingers and wide midfielders and stuff, he actually recorded more carries that then led to a chance. Um, than like kind of most other wingers. So yeah. what he basically shows us is that he's obviously when he picks up the ball, he's very good at kind of carrying it, running with it, and then either whether it be taking a shot on goal, whether it be feeding in a pass or a cross, he he has the ability to create a lot of chances. What DRB struggles with and where I guess you if you were to look at his game and analyze it completely is that he's defensive work. So we right. we and I know <clears> we're making another Man United reference, but we cast like our minds back a few seasons back to when Rashford didn't use to trap back a lot. We 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 would struggle yeah. down that wing because Rashford was very much an attacking winger and he didn't come back as much and it got drilled into him obviously through Mourinho and, and then obviously now Ten Hag that he needs to trap back and support the defence. What you'll find with with the Villa team is that I'll just give you a bit of statistic. He's actually um 1.3 defensive actions per 90 minutes actually puts him in the bottom five percent compared to other wingers in terms of how defensive Musa Diaby yeah. is. So Yes, he's fast. If he could use that pace getting back, he'd be he'd be a better player. <laughs> yeah, so like you said, uh, same with Rashford, uh, Ryan's with Sancho as well. Um, yeah, another lazy player doesn't really like tracking back. Salah, Salah doesn't do much tracking back either. He's quite a goal-minded winger just to use a different player. I think Salah makes up for it for what he does at the other end. Yeah, of the probably pitch. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's probably a bit taller apart from DRB, but yeah. But yeah, uh, like I said, a very interesting uh, transfer window for Villa. Um, Interesting to see where they finish as well. Uh, I think they just build I'm not, onto what they've done already. So, not going to lie, these are my one team I want to see fail the most. So, oh. for any kind of viewers and stuff, I actually I've moved to, to kind of Birmingham area, so I'm my whole workplace is surrounded by Villa fans, and they are talking <laughs> like my best. And I'm going to offend a lot of Villa fans here, but this is my comparison of Villa to me. Villa is like the little brother that comes and tries to join your friendship group. They think they're a top six club all of a sudden. They're trying to have conversations with the big boys, talking about everything. They haven't been in Europe since my dad was born. So, you know, this is a club that needs to remember and realise that they're Aston Villa. They're not, yeah. they're not Man United. You're not Chelsea. You're not Liverpool. Stop trying to have conversations with the big boys until you've done something. Run over. Moving on to the next club anyway. That's yeah. me getting a lot of grill in the chat, by the way, from Villa fans. <laughs> <laughs> so, next big club... Um... Obviously, Chelsea uh, made some serious moves, uh, spent a lot of money. Um, That's not a surprise. No, uh, obviously, but I think this time <laughs> around, I think they've spent it in the right way. Uh, they've yeah, not just bought is... players like Monopoly, for instance. Yeah, this is definitely Pochettino has had a say. Yeah. Let's be honest, when Potter was in charge, it was literally like, I can't remember, but Todd Bowley joined on FIFA with his own ultimate team and just brought who he wanted. That that literally was. He joined and thought, I've got my own like, ultimate team here. I'm just going to buy who I want. That person looks mint. He's going to sell me shirts. Yeah, no thought behind it. I think 
Um, just touched upon another podcast, Lampard recently did a podcast. I don't know if you guys have heard it, go and see it here if you haven't. But he spoke about how he had 35 players and hardly any of them knew where they were there, where they were playing or had any desire. I think now you've got Poch in and Poch has a, has a vision. Yeah, absolutely. So first transfer, obviously, in Kunku. Um, we knew he was joining from about January time, I believe. Yeah, quite a while ago. Um, always been talked about for the past few seasons now uh, across across Europe. Um, obviously, he's just got injured. So he's <laughs> out for, I yeah. think they said about six weeks, potentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, in a way, even though it is Chelsea, I'm kind of gutted for. Uh, last season, I thought it was hard done by they had a lot of injuries um not saying that was the only reason they finished where they did uh obviously i think buying that many players and trying to just put them all together uh no chemistry not working yeah yeah but uh unkunku is definitely one player that i wish i wish a speedy recovery for just because i am actually excited to see what he can do in the prem uh just because i've obviously got the hype around him yeah, apart from against us, in that case. I mean, you can have a, <laughs> yeah. you can have a stinker against us, and I'm more bothered about that. Uh, yeah, just touching upon Nkunku, then going into a little bit of statistics around him. So one of the things that actually, um, obviously, I guess it surprised me because we aren't really people who follow much kind of, like, you know, obviously the other leagues. We're obviously Man United yeah. fans, we're big <clears> Premier League. So it's interesting to find out some statistics on him, but a really, really crazy statistic. And if you take this into consideration, and this was somebody in the Prem, you'd think, wow, what an amazing season. So um, he got into double figures again for goals. Um, yep. You know, he's, he's a goal machine. He's always in and around that kind of false nine cam role um, and sometimes has played up front as well. Um, but he actually, in 25 games, got 20 goal contributions. So he provided a yeah. lot. I'm telling you now, if that's Darwin Nunes or that's um, Kane, whatever, it's spoken about in the press everywhere. Like it, it's it's that type of you know that type of numbers. Yeah, it's a ridiculous stat. Um, obviously, Bundesliga, but I mean, it's not like he was in one of the top teams in the Bundesliga. No, um, he's not in your Bayern or your Dortmund. Uh, he's done that from Leipzig. Um, so, yeah, again, hoping he can come back. Um, just want to see what he can do. Uh, yeah, can fair, we've seen him in the Champions. Yeah, we've seen him in the Champions League. Yeah. We know we can do it in Champions League. So I mean, realistically, I do, I do should. Think, yeah, it's a good sign for Chelsea. I don't think this is a bad sign at all. No. Um, so the next one, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't even realise he signed until I watched a preseason of Chelsea, uh, which is obviously <laughs> Nicholas Jackson. Um, yeah. What a player. Um, yeah. What a signing as well, 30 million. Um, I don't think that's a bad price tag at all for what they get. They needed a striker. Um, yeah. Obviously, Arbor isn't in the plans. Uh, just got rid of I don't Hablets. think Arbor was in the plans since he joined. <laughs> yeah, just there he certainly wasn't ride. on the pitch. He wasn't in the training ground. He was nowhere to be seen. I've never seen a player join a club so much and not enjoy being there since <laughs> Tonali joined Newcastle. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I think uh, a big, a big thing for me was that Unkunku Jackson link up, uh, yeah. which obviously we won't see for the first couple of months. Um, but I'm interested to see Nicholas Jackson how he performs. Does he start? Yeah. Will he yeah, be a starting I... striker off the bat for Chelsea, or is it going to be something that's worked in for him? Yeah, I think. Like, so, if any of you guys, obviously, Chelsea fans will have done, I don't know if anyone else has, but if you followed pre-season, um, Jackson has played quality 
for Chelsea in yeah. preseason. What he's shown in the preseason is his ability, like to uh, beat a defender, his strength, his physicality, his speed, and his composure when it comes to putting the ball in the back of the net. I think the little bit of a of a surprising thing, I think, for many Prem fans is they might not know the name Nicholas Jackson. Um, yeah, he's obviously you know come from um, the La Liga. Um, he's maybe not kind of the most known name to many people. He he also doesn't have like a, a top six nationality behind him as well. So we haven't really seen yeah. him play in the World Cup and stuff. So, um, but I think you know th- there's a I think there's a lot of pressure on Nicholas Jackson. I think you, you're coming into a Chelsea club that's had the likes of Eto, Anelka, Drogba, and really let's be honest, since since Drogba, have they ever really replaced that striker? Have they ever really had anybody that's like the caliber of Didier Drogba since he left the club? I personally wouldn't say so. No, I don't believe so. Uh, again, I think that's the same for a few teams across the Premier League. Um, yeah. They've, I think, we've not seen. Obviously, you've got the Kane at Tottenham, um, which apparently Bayern have now just confirmed and agreed a fee for him. Uh, yeah. So I think I think it's just down to Kane now. Yeah. But obviously, you've got Kane, you've got Haaland, and then Aguero. I think over the last yeah. few years, I think they're the only world class. You know how much, you know how much abuse you're going to get, by the way, talking about Kane on the Chelsea transfer section. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that, but I'm, I'm talking in stats of yeah, yeah, absolutely being yeah. that world class. I'm just going to in the comments now. How dare we talk about Spurs while we're talking about Chelsea's transfers? But yeah, no, but I yeah, agree. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's true. No, yeah. no world class striker for to- uh, for Chelsea for no. quite a while. Well. Talking statistically, because obviously we're following the trend, we've done that with all of our players. We, we took a look yeah. obviously at Nicholas Jackson and his ability. Um, now, he had 10 goal involvements last season um, following a ball carry. So that was kind of touching upon what I said. So, you know, he's very confident. Yeah. His, his biggest ability is picking the ball up and driving. He wants to take on defenders. He wants to take it past people. He wants to obviously put the ball in the net. Um, interesting statistic on that one as well. He actually got seven goals and three assists. So in total, obviously, that 10-goal involvement. The only other player in the league that got more than him was Vinicius Junior at Real Madrid, which was actually two more, which was 12. But the other best thing about that is as well that actually Nicholas Jackson played 1,231 less minutes than Vinicius Junior and only got two less goal contributions while carrying the ball. So, yeah. just That's just following a, a ball carry, correct? That's, That's literally just carrying just the ball. The ball carry. Yeah, right, okay. so 12. But then if you take into consideration the flair of Vinicius Jr. and how much he wants say. to take players on, yeah, he's a much more agile player than Nicholas Jackson. He's a much more skillful player than Nicholas Jackson. To think that Nicholas Jackson does that with no trickery and no flair, he just does it with pure power and pace, yeah. says a lot about what they've signed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Chelsea are coming back for vengeance this season, uh, especially after last season's performance. Um I just hope they can. I think Poch, obviously, we know how good he did with Tottenham when he was there. Um, definitely the right manager for the job. Uh, I just hope he can get the team. To, well, I don't hope he can get the team to go right. I hope Chelsea keep on failing. <laughs> Careful with your words but, there. Yeah. Um, we hope he no, fails, it, is what we mean. But yeah. We hope he for fails, Chelsea, but we, we, hope, hope he does well. we hope he does well for Chelsea. Yeah, I absolutely. think, look, realistically, you're following Frank Lampard, who statistically is the worst manager in the Premier yeah. League. It so can't get much worse. You haven't got much shoes to fill. I think. <laughs> yeah. This is another weird thing we spoke about earlier, though, when we spoke about the fact that Arsenal um, are doing so much business with Chelsea. Tottenham are now giving... Tottenham's old manager is now... It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just a weird one. It's very strange. Um, But, yeah, moving on to the next one, which surprised me in a way, um, but also didn't. Um, Obviously, uh, Sanchez 
coming in, picking up the gloves. I believe Kepa's on his way out, if I'm not mistaken. I think there's been talks. I just I can't keep up with how many goalkeepers Chelsea go through. Like, yeah. They they need to finally begin to start to set. Petr Cech left, and then I think I can't. I don't even know the number. I should have kind of looked it up before doing the podcast. But I'm sure they've had quite a few goalkeepers. I mean, you just need to start settling in who your main man is. Yeah, I was surprised because obviously Mendy had that stint um, where he went through. I think he went through some unreal form, and then I'm not quite sure what happened to him. Whether it was a bad few games, but then Kepa come in. And then since then, I mean, I don't know why they brought Kepa back in the first place. Um, not brought him back, obviously, but brought him off the bench. Um, but yeah, Mendy's obviously left. I think Kepa's potentially on his way out. And then, I mean, don't get me wrong, very good signing for Chelsea. I think Sanchez is a solid keeper all round. But I don't know. Uh, I think it's like, interesting to see what he can do. Yeah, I think this is, this is a quality keeper. Um, this is also a keeper, by the way, that's Spanish and has kept De Gea out of the Spain squad. So, yeah. you know, this is... I don't really get the whole De Gea in Spain thing. I thought De Gea did really well for seven seasons, never really got the call-up. I mean, the fact that Kepa got picked over and we won't even go into detail about that one. But, <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's obviously part of a good Spanish side. He's a young player. He's got potential to grow. Um, I think it's another kind of squad depth and add competition to the positions that they already have. Yeah. But... You know, we had a look at Robert Sanchez prior to kind of coming into this today. So we had a little bit of a look at his obviously involvement last season. So um, last season in the Premiership, he actually shown that he was able to intercept up to 92% of spitball. So just to explain a little bit about what I mean by that. So anytime that the ball is kind of pinged into the box or pinged in across his box or just outside his box, 92% of those he would actually come and claim are clear. So he's a very yeah. agile, on his feet, constantly off his line around the box he's he's definitely a future sweeper keeper 100% yeah uh, that's kind of the way the game's going now isn't it really um, you look at the way the keepers are coming in obviously Onana to United who we'll get into a bit later um, obviously Pep likes it with Edison um, yeah. basically keepers are good with a feet and then obviously comfortable coming out of their area um, to basically play as that pivot for the defenders so, moving on to my least favourite team yeah, in the we world. We really have to do this segment. We don't, but there's only two, so we can get through it quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Shabazz Lyon McAllister, right? Moving on, anyway, we've got... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I know Shabazz Lyon is... I don't know how you pronounce his name. I'm, I'm just yeah, going to say it if I butcher it. Shabazz Lyon, maybe? Yeah, I've seen an interview of how to pronounce Dominic. it. But, yeah, we'll just call him Dominic for the freeze. <laughs> um... Obviously, another Leipzig player. Yep. Um, Austrian as well. Yeah. Austrian player. I've seen, again, seen him obviously in the Champions League. Um, he's always seemed like a solid player. His name's floated about for the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Liverpool obviously needed it. Uh, I think they've sold or released a ridiculous amount of midfielders this transfer mm-hmm. window. Yeah. Um, obviously, Hendo. Endo, oh my god, oh, I just called him Oh Hendo. my god, you've nicknamed oh, him. Jesus Christ. Oh no. Jesus. Oh, oh god, that's god's sake. Picked. I'm keeping yeah. that one for myself. Well, Henderson. Oh, uh... Hendo, oh Hendo. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, uh, Henderson, Captain's left. Uh, yeah. Fabinho's left. Um, who else am I missing? Um, oh, Oxide Chamberlain is obviously Oxide's been, yeah, he's out I mean, as well. Um, never there's really. probably a few more. I think, I think, um, there's Kater left. Yeah, Nabi Kater left as well. 
Yeah. So, and obviously Milner uh, to Milner, yeah. Brighton. Yes. Yes. Um, so big moves. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Dominic. Let's yeah, we're going to call yeah, him Dominic, Dominic yeah. aren't we? Um, another player that I'm interested to see. Um, obviously got high praises in the Bundesliga. Can he then transform that into the Premier League? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we took a look at obviously Dominic um, in his last season um, with RB Leipzig. So he was actually fourth overall in the Bundesliga for total involvements in shot ending sequences in open play. So, you know, he's actually he's a very much a provider. Um, yeah. You know, he does commonly play on the wing. When you're looking at kind of RB Leipzig and looking at their heat map and where, you know, this guy, this guy kind of plays, I think one big thing that you've picked up with this player is versatility on the pitch. He plays all across the midfield and has dropped into the almost cam role as well for RB Leipzig yeah. when when kind of covering from Kunku. Um, so he's got, you know, capability to be all over the place. He's, he's very versatile. I also think, obviously, when you take a look at the fourth overall in terms of obviously the, the shot ending sequences, You've got the likes of Salah, Cody Gakpo, uh, Brias and Diaz. Those players are wanting feeders. They're going to, if they're in behind the defence and they've got a person laying it on a plate for them, and we'll talk yeah. about another player in a second who can absolutely put the ball on a plate, um, they're just going to, that's a field day. It's a field day for Liverpool. That, those players want to get in behind. They want the over the top balls. They want the through balls. I think yeah. these two additions and the other one we'll talk about in a second are going to absolutely be that provider. I think when you look at Fabinho and Jordan Henderson and Naby Keita, fantastic midfielders in terms of defensive minded, but none of them really, apart from Trent, was your delivery of a ball. Yeah. There weren't many players that were like creators and they could really thread the needle and find that pass. I think no. that's, that's what's happened with these two signings. Um, I, think, I think your other player was obviously Thiago in that. Um, yeah, Thiago, he's, yeah. He, yeah. He's one who could who could step up to the plate when needed. Yeah. Um, but no, I completely agree. I think I think it's going to be a surprise um, for Liverpool. I don't know whether it's gonna, how well it's going to gel. Um, I'm just trying to think who's their DM. They probably um, did. Well, they've started playing Trent, haven't they? Trent started dropping into that DM role, hasn't he, rather than right back? You do know DM has defensive in it, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's a bit hard. Not, it is a bit hard. Yeah. Trend. You can't really spell defense, but yeah. but yeah, <laughs> but they've started obviously <laughs> dropping him in there. Any Liverpool fans in here have already clicked off. They've gone to a different podcast. I um, don't care, mate. Yeah, they probably clicked off when we said we're Man United fans. <laughs> but yeah, no, Trent's obviously pre-season. I think, and I don't really like talking highly about um, Liverpool in any way, but I think Klopp's had an absolute managerial genius with with Trent Alexander-Arnold there. I think you've you've got a player that's absolutely got the capability to be a world class player. I think he's you know he's got the, in terms of his vision, his passing, his crossing, his, his ability. I mean, his ability to put the ball in the box. I think you've got somebody who can really create, but he's not been that great at defending. Gets lost in the box when balls come in wide. So I think dropping him into a CDM role where you've got a player that's comfortable with the ball at his feet and can move it about. And not necessarily have to rely 100% on his one to one defending because he'll have yeah. support from other players and there's a back line behind him. Absolute managerial genius. You know, he's a player you either sell, try and make money on and buy somebody else in that's better, or you adapt him and develop him in a different position. Yeah. I think that's that's quality from Klopp. Absolutely. I, th- I mean, I think uh, all viewers of the Premier League, uh, not just Liverpool fans, I think we've, we've all kind of been saying that for the past couple of years about Trent. Yeah. Um, so it's. It'd be interesting to see what he's like. Obviously, we've seen him in an England shirt, um, what he's like in that role. Yeah. Um, so far, he's proved to play very well. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on to another person, like you said before, can put it on a plate for you, um, yeah. which I think for the price tag is an absolutely ridiculous yeah, this is, signing. This is bar- potential bargain of the window for me. Yeah, so obviously, McAllister, uh, 
World Cup winner, Argentina, had a breakout season with Brian. Uh, he was absolutely ridiculous. I think I, I, I don't. Yeah, I've I've not really got many words for him. Um, we all know how good he is with the ball creating. Um, he can break up play. Um, so they're kind of getting two positions or two kind of players in one with McAllister. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it hurts me to see him go to Liverpool. But yeah. I think they've I think they've bought a gem of a player. Well, we know yeah. they've bought a gem of a player, should I say? Let's be honest. If McAllister didn't have the release clause of thirty-five million, this player is worth easily sixty, seventy, eighty million. This, this, you know, Brighton were trying so long to get this player to extend his contract. Um, yeah, for this reason specifically, <laughs> you know, a big club comes in and they 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 offer you know that that kind of minimum fee, and it's up to the player to make the decision there at that point. And obviously, you know, he's he's why wouldn't he make the move? He's progressing. He's won the World Cup. He's going completely this way. Yeah, a club like Liverpool knock on your door and they say, look, we can you know we want to get back into big Champions Leagues. We want to be doing all of this stuff come along on the project and I think Klopp's really going to help develop McAllister as well I think Klopp's yeah. the perfect manager to help him I don't think there's anything bad to say about Serbi. I think is one of the most breakthrough no. probably managers from last season yeah. he just isn't Klopp um, you know so uh, you took a look at McAllister real quick just statistically so by the time the World Cup came so the, basically by the time we had the World Cup break during the Premier League at that time McAllister actually recovered possession 124 times in 14 league games the actually only person higher than him to do that was Declan Rice, which we've obviously already spoken about, who's joined Arsenal. Yeah. Um, he obviously won the World Cup. And quite interestingly, during his time with Argentina in the World Cup, he was actually in the top three behind Messi. And I want to say it might have been Di Maria. Um, but in terms of um, most chances created in terms of for Argentina, so it yeah. resulted in goals. So, you know, that touches upon what we spoke about. He's definitely a chance creator. The only negative with McAllister that I actually um, found when kind of having a bit of a look about his stats and stuff, he he does slow the game down sometimes too much. So, you know, Deserby utilised him for his ability to find a vision and stuff, but sometimes yeah. what he'll do is he'll put the ball up and he'll go backwards or he'll slow the game down. So we know Liverpool, with the fast wingers, want to play quick counter-attacking football. He has to adapt to that. If he continues to stop, spin back, play it back to the defender, slow it down, Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's great to relieve pressure. But sometimes, if you, if he could be the reason that the the whole counter attack stops. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, uh, I think Klopp's the perfect manager for him if he is to transition to that role. Um, I don't think there's as many other managers. Obviously, you've got your Peps. Um, I mean, the way Ten Hag's doing it um, <laughs> with the counter attacking at the minute ten that ball. we've seen, Ten Hag ball and Ten Hag is at the wheel. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, I just. With the amount of players Liverpool let go, I thought they'd do a bit more business. So I'm surprised to only see the two. Yeah. But it's like that price tag we talk about, Declan Rice, pretty much like you said, I think and statistically, um he was second to Declan Rice in recovery possession. Yeah. So if someone at Declan Rice is going for 105 million and you see McAllister go for 35, yeah, yeah it's just that. like that's the that's where that conversation comes Cup. in again. And he's a World <laughs> Cup winner. Yeah. So yeah, it's a strange one. Um, I think I think just to, to to kind of touch upon something um, in relation to, you know, you were talking then about Liverpool maybe not doing as many transfers as you expected. I think the only reason for that is I think there's a lot of players they signed last season we haven't seen the best of yet. I think yeah. and Diaz obviously injured, didn't play much. I think he's going to have a really good season. I think he's an absolutely quality player. Another player we missed out on. 
Yeah. Don't think we saw the absolute best of Salah, but we saw him come into it towards the end of the season. Obviously, he didn't start the season very well. And I think Cody Gakpo has got every single ability to kind of improve and grow. I think you take these two and combine it with last year's transfer window. That's a, oh, that's yeah. A, yeah, that's a team to, to definitely think about. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we forgot, uh, we're not mentioned Nunes. Um, <laughs> There's a reason for that. Yeah, I've, <laughs> he, I think he come out of his, and, and this is going to probably annoy Liverpool fans if you hear this, um, but they've probably already seen it. He, he, he compared himself to Suarez, um, saying Suarez took the first year at Liverpool um, to settle in. And I just think that's that's kind of a bad mentality to have. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Like, if you... Because don't, like, don't forget, when they started at the start of the season last year, all Liverpool fans in the Community Shield when they beat Sitter, Highland obviously missed his Sitter, yep. Nunes, uh, that, that that talk, uh, saying how much better he is than Highland, I mean, it was soon, went quiet. Um, but yep. I still think there's a lot of potential to come out on Nunes um, and this Liverpool team. Um, like you said, they underperformed quite a bit last season. So, for me, it wouldn't be a surprise if we've seen them climb back Just up. Just before we move on to the next team, I will say, before that gets flooded in the comments by the Liverpool fans that think we're being horrible to them, yes, we know you beat us 7-0 last season. We do remember it. We don't have to hear it again. We're moving on from it. Let's just let's move to the next team. Yeah, so the next team, obviously, second most disliked team. Um, obviously, our... Noisy Neighbours, as they're now called. Yeah, uh, let's go with that one. Um, again, another team... Not needing many signings. Um, no. Treble winners, I mean, how do you improve a team that's won the treble? Exactly, yeah. Uh, the only thing I can really think of is Gundogan leaving. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you've got the likes of Foden coming back um, from his surgery late last season. Uh, Cole Palmer's now stepping up in the ranks to replace Mares on that right-hand side. Um, the only one that surprised me was City is Kovacic. Now, that's I know true. why they've got him. Um, like you said, Pep likes his backup. Yep. Um, so whether he plays like they did in the ch- charity or community shield, whatever you want to call it, um, I believe they played a four-four-two in that final, um, which was a bit strange to see because he obviously had Culver and Rodra both starting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, obviously he started Alvarez and Haaland together. But Kovacic to me, I, I don't know. Didn't really impress me much at Chelsea. He just seemed one of them who was like a steady a steady mover in the Premier League. Um, yeah. Wasn't anything spectacular. He's not horrendous. He's just steady. So whether Pep can do anything to improve that and implement him into a team in a different way, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we, we take a look at Kovacic statistically and when you go into the statistics and I'll read them out obviously to you now um, George and it will make a little bit more sense to you I think why they've signed him so um, aside from his work engine he actually excels at two things more than any most midfielders and that's ball retention and counter pressing if you take a look at City and how they play football very much the Barca style of play they lose the ball they win it back in seconds a player like Kovacic what he's going to offer you is is a non-stop engine runner and also, one of the things he's he's got really high statistics in is actually being able to dribble out of danger with an explosive first step. So for me, where he comes into City and why I think 
for City, he's probably a better signing than if he joined Spurs or United or Arsenal is because he absolutely suits that player style of play where if the ball is lost in midfield, he's an engine, he's onto it. And if he picks it up and he gets surrounded, he's out of danger and he's moving the ball. That's yep. where I think he's, he's the player for City. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I still don't like the signing, even after those yeah. stats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, um, I don't like it either. <laughs> I just I just think it's... I think if you if you're gonna get someone like him in your team, because obviously then Chelsea started eleven last season, yeah, um, and has been for the past however many seasons. I just don't think. I just don't, I can't see Chelsea start uh, City sorry starting the way they did in the formation wise. In the Community Shield, uh, that they will going forward in the season, I think yeah. they'll go back to how they played or whether Pep's. Because teams are obviously taking on, obviously you're inverted fullbacks now. What Pep's obviously brought and brought on heavily this season. I just I can't see him being used as a starter, even with them stats. Um, yeah, no, true. I'd be impressed if he does. But moving on to the big signing for Sitter, uh, obviously Guardiola. Guardiola, another Leipzig player. Another. They've been big... stripped. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, they feed a club, aren't they? Um, yeah, they've been stripped. But again, another player where majority of Premier League watchers only would have heard his name. Uh, obviously, probably seen him in the Champions League, but don't know too much about the actual player from season to season. Yep. We all know Leipzig um, wanted to make him the highest uh, valued defender of all time. So obviously, they value him to that level yep. and obviously City value him to a very high level as well 77 million for him yep. I think finally he brings Harry first... Maguire has been beaten <laughs> finally that man has been beaten for the most I'm so happy that fans can't now say but, but he's the most expensive defender in the world I thought he was eight I think with add-ons Gavardi uh, is the most expensive yeah, um, I think with add-ons he's up to like ninety something million. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's a set like kind of transfer fee. We haven't included the add-ons in some of these fees. Obviously, there are add-on packages that will be like qualifying for Champions League, things like that. We haven't added those yet. Yeah. But yeah, uh, another player I'm interested to see to see if the hype can transfer over into the Premier League. Does he yeah. improve City's defense? Does it need improving? Um, obviously there was talks of Kyle Walker going out. Yeah, that's what I was just going to touch upon. I wonder. I feel like this deal was kind of done on the basis that Walker potentially was on his way out, and then Walker's obviously, as of today, I think committed, didn't he? Committed his his, his contract. I believe he did so. sign. I, f- I don't know if he signed it or if he's verbally agreed to it. Yeah, I think yeah. He might so, have verbally agreed, and he's coming because I think sign. City last season obviously they won the treble. So realistically, for them, they're not going to change the team unless it's replacing players that have left. Kovacic, yep. obviously, a replacement for Gundogan. I think Gavardi always brought in on the basis that Kyle Walker was on his way out to potentially Bayern, who were interested at the time. That obviously fell through. He's obviously committed here. So, whether or not it's not... I don't know if it's not worked out for City. I think, why not have an even better player to bring on, you know, a squad depth? And yep. it'll be interesting. Do we see Kyle Walker slowly edged out of the starting lineup for City and eventually, you know, come the summer or next season, does he then move on? Who knows? Uh, I don't believe so. Um, I don't think Pep would have been so heavily invested in Walker for a contract renewal if he was just going to bid him off in his season. Yeah, yeah. I think Guardiola is that versatile across that back four 
I th- it wouldn't surprise me if they slot him in at left back. Uh, okay, yeah. He's played there for Leipzig quite a bit, I believe. Um, yeah. Centre back as well. Obviously, centre back is, I, I believe, I think is his natural position. It's but, either centre back or right back. It's one of the two. Yeah. Um, but we know if you can get a player who's that versatile across the back four, Chelsea had it with Aspilicueta. Mm-hmm. You could stick him anywhere in that back four and comfortable. It's like Aki. comfortable as you like. Yeah. Aki's, um, for City, yeah. So that's what I mean. I think Cavadio could potentially sit and slot into that left-back position over Ake. Um, yeah. And then just the rest of the team stay as it is. Yeah, well, just um, just touching upon a few statistics with Gavardio for people who might not necessarily know what his performances like were when he was at RB Leipzig. So we just kind of obviously looked into a little bit about what he kind of did. And he was actually yeah. quite surprised on how good his statistics were. So last season, he averaged more touches, which was 100 per 90. So 100 touches per 90 minutes. Um, more successful passes. So 79.2% of his passes were successful. And actually a higher accuracy of passes. He, he was almost at 90% finished on 89.3 he was the highest for all of those stats than any other RB Leipzig player yeah well I mean them stats alone just show why City probably are the best fit for him yeah uh comfortable with the ball um passing passing obviously a big thing for City uh controlling uh controlling the pace of the game as well um Mm -hmm. we see how much they like playing out from the back and playing it around the back as well I think realistically City as well like I think as much as it pains me to say it, I don't think there are many players in the world that, given the opportunity to be managed by Pep, wouldn't take it. I think, you know, no. for, for them, it is absolutely like you will learn so much more and develop so much more as a player being under Pep Guardiola. He is, in my eyes, and it, like I say, it does pain me to say it, but I think he's the best modern manager that we've seen recently. Um, I think he definitely has the capabilities if he continues to do what he does at City to go into that Hall of Fame of managers. I really do. I don't, I, if he's not already there now, um, no, he's, he's, he's there hands down yeah. already. Um, yeah, I mean, it just shows you when City are probably blowing out a team four or five nil, and one player messes up and he's constantly on him. He's not letting anything slide. He's he's not he's not letting. I don't even know the word for it. He's not basically letting his players slack. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's always trying on that to be team fights with a badge. Yeah, Everybody. absolutely. Yeah. So, moving on, obviously. Oh, are who are these? So, if you want to skip an hour ahead, we'll get on to the next team. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're, um, we've run quite deep already. Uh, surprisingly, yeah, who knew you could talk so much about football? Though, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, personally. I think it's been a very, very, very good transfer window for United and it's still not over. Um, So, I mean, who do you want to start with? Got a choice of three. Yeah, I think think let's go in with with the kind of first guy that we got on the books, um, Mason Mount. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Mount is one of those players that I've discovered fans will talk rubbish about but every player and manager thinks he's one of the best creative players in the Premier League yep. from the actual like you listen to Lampard or any of his ex-teammates or Southgate and talk about Mount and they talk about how United have gained what Chelsea have lost but fans because because that's what fans do he has a bad game he misses a sitter he, he doesn't yep. do great for Chelsea they jump on it he's not great he's not good sorry Chelsea but you've got Enzo Fernandez who's done nothing since he joined. So let's not let's not go there about lacking midfielders when we start talking about, you know, capabilities of people. 
But yeah, I think Mason Mount, I think, you know, we've talked talk a lot recently, you know, in the other teams about players that are the right player for that squad. I think Mount, he probably isn't that good for Tottenham. He probably isn't that good for Arsenal. But for us, he's absolutely what we were missing. Yeah, I think he, like you said, um, every manager always speaks highly of him. So yeah. that obviously shows his level of professionalism, his attitude towards the game, the team, and his, uh, his manager, his teammates, the love of the game. But I think what we've seen from Mount in pre-season, obviously we've all just non-stop about the clips of missing open net and stuff like that. It's pre-season. Yeah, yeah. Harlan, Harlan missing open net against uh, <laughs> uh, 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 was it Arsenal? Uh, Liverpool, sorry, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And people jumped on him. Obviously, I'm not comparing Mount to Harlan before <laughs> anyone starts, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's pre-season. <laughs> let the kid get settled in. Yeah, I think it's a very good buy for United. Don't yeah, get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. Price tag, I'm not too thingy with. 60 yeah. million for Mason Mount, English tax, I think, bumped that up a bit, and the fact it's United. But I think it's a great bit of business for Tanag. Um, another creative player, uh, non stop engine on him. He doesn't give up on balls. He's just, I think he's a very well rounded player for United, and I can see him slotting, obviously, next to Casemiro behind Bruno. The other nice thing about tidy. Mount is he is what I and many managers have called a bar raiser. He comes into the dressing room and it's all about being better. Rashford is a bar raiser. Martinez yeah. is a bar raiser. Casemiro is a bar raiser. These are players that, as much as they are football players, they're also there to hype the team up, get the team yep. motivated, be better to make everyone else better. And I think we need that at United. We've got players that we are now seeing go like Fred, like potentially with Tommy, like Maguire. I think those players aren't bar raisers. They're just collecting their salaries and playing for Manchester United. You don't really see the fight from the likes of Fred and the likes of Harry Maguire and things like that. Maybe you do for McTominay, actually. It's a bit harsh on McTominay because he, he does give it his all when he plays. But yeah, I think Mount is absolutely like, like that difference. And I'm going to give you a stat now as well, George, that, that might make you just go think a little bit about why we got Mount. So Mount in the last two seasons has ranked fifth in the Premier League in terms of created chances. So that's 105 chances created. Now, if I list the four above him, you've got Trent, Bruno, Kevin De Bruyne and Son. And every single one of those, what did they have that Chelsea didn't have was a striker on the end of them. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> where would Mount be in those figures, in my eyes, if he had a Kane or he had a Nunes or a, or a Salah or if you're looking at Son, uh, sorry, um, if you're looking at Kevin De Bruyne, he had a Haaland or he had an... Do you know what I mean? The, Chelsea didn't have yeah. this. So... To still be creating 145 chances and a lot of those not being finished because of lack of a striker, but now he's got Hoyland, and obviously we'll go into the Rashford and all of this to feed into. Yeah, maybe that maybe he he offers more. Well, I think that's the same conversation with Bruno as well. Um, if you look at Bruno's stats, I think he always ranks first in big chances created. Yep, but doesn't get the assists. Obviously. Yep. Not got a striker, United. Unless it's Rashford, it's yeah. probably not going in really. We uh, we've always struggled for strikers. I think United got themselves into a pattern where you sign in a striker who's coming towards the end of the career. You get two two seasons out of him, maybe three. Yep. And then you move on to the next. And this is gonna obviously latch on to the next next player. Yeah. I'm very interested about, but. We finally signed a young striker. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he's injured. 
Of course <laughs> yeah. he is. That would the best happen. part about it is, in true United fashion, apparently we knew about it. We just didn't know how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, so I think, obviously, the the black spot come up in the MRI. So they was yeah. aware of it. Um, they know it can lead to potential uh, stress fra- fractures, I believe. Yep. It's But they've said it's nothing. I mean, I don't think we would have paid the money if, if, it, if yeah. it was something severe and it would have stopped him. Um, obviously, the doctors are given a green light, said it's okay. Uh, give him a three, four weeks to rest. I think yeah, I think it was Arsenal, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the first game. Yeah, yeah I think, I think Arsenal looking at is the Arsenal. expected first game. I mean, talk about your debut. If you're going exactly. to have a debut. I mean, Anthony did it last season. Maybe Harlan yeah, can do it this season. Martial um, was against Liverpool, wasn't it? The, the amazing kind of debut that he had. Yeah, I thought it was Arsenal, never mind. But, yeah, but again, um, I think United, It's always seems the trend with United. We spend big on players and we sell for little. Yeah. Um, if you would have asked me last year, who's Highland? I, I, I think ninety-five percent of Manchester United players would have been like, "Who?" Yeah, we'd have thought um, you said Haaland. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, no one can talk in depth about him apart from people who've watched him, who watched the Syria. Um, but from the highlights, the clips, the obviously all the videos we have access to now in this current age. We know what we're getting from him. We're getting a big, strong kid, fast, holds the ball up well, skillful. Obviously, has a lot of flair in his game, and he's also got that that vision of a striker to be in the right place at the right time. Yep. So I'm very looking forward to link up with Rashford, Antonio, Bruno, and behind. And I think United have got a very scary attack for next season. Well, for this season, yeah. first. Yeah, just touching upon a couple of things. First of all, you were talking about obviously young striker. This is our this is our first project since Rooney. So, yeah. you know, we, we haven't had a young project, prodigy, build our own player from a young age, develop them in the club since Wayne Rooney, and that's obviously a long time ago. Um when you're talking about statistically what Hoyland has done, there isn't too much to go off the, the kid's a young player, yeah. you know, he's early on in his career. But if we just take a look a little bit at kind of his last season, so we scored 10 goals in 34 games. Um but he's actually scored six in six for Denmark. So yeah. that's, you know, a lot of people have immediately jumped on and gone 10 goals in 34 games and he's supposed to be a £70 million striker. Okay, fair enough. I think if you look at the £70 million fee as Hoyland, as a now, in the now, it's a lot of money. I think if you look at £72 million and he becomes the striker that we wanted to be and he can be, and over yeah. the next five seasons, he becomes, an, you know, a goal scorer with double figures. Every, I think it's justified completely. Um it's just, it's a big risk. It's high, high risk, high reward, isn't it? You know, you, you've paid a lot for an unproven striker. And I can say yeah. that I'm a Man United fan. We have paid a lot for an unproven striker. I think the biggest thing that we will hang over our heads from a lot of rival fans is why we never went in for Kane. Um, I think when you look at, you know, obviously Daniel Levy, the Spurs owner, literally came out and said, I will never sell to Manchester United. So it's a little bit difficult to buy a player yeah. from, a, from an owner who refuses to sell. I don't think we we persisted on Kane enough, but it goes back to what you talked about earlier. Kane's another striker who, yes, he scores you 20, 25 goals, but he's coming towards the end of that career. He's obviously still got a few years left in him, but he's not a 19-year-old yeah. striker anymore. We'll have that, to see with Hoyland. Well, it was that and the fact that he wanted 100 plus million for Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's another strike you're spending 100 mil on and getting three seasons out of maybe four. But um, saying that, it's probably is three seasons of 20 plus goals. So it's it's one of them in it. It's, yeah. you know, 
Kane scores the amount of goals he scores in a Tottenham team that, let's be quite honest, hasn't been the greatest team in no. the last few seasons. Absolutely not. It makes you think what this man can do if he had the constant um, providing supply. I think, you know, we spoke about earlier at the start of the pod, if he makes his way to Bayern, I think that would be... I, I, I'll be mind-blown to see how many goals he manages to score in the Bundesliga. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if that's always the question. Imagine if Kane did goal sit them a couple of years back. Imagine what numbers he could Holland have done. would have come to us if that had happened. Well, well. Yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, moving on to... Probably the most talked about... I was about to say, yeah, yeah. signing. Um, From rival fans. Personally, love the signing. Yep. Love the signing. Um, not too fussed about the price tag because, well, we know what we're getting. We've seen yeah. it in the... I mean, when Pep comes out before a game and he's worrying about what the, their keeper can do, that says a lot about the keeper. Um, yeah. Changing tactics, how he's going to go into that final. So, I love the signing. Uh, 47 million, obviously, Onana. Um, coming from Inter Milan. Champions League finalist, unfortunately, lost to Sitter. But I've never, I know we've obviously only seen him in a couple of preseason games, but everything everyone's talked about during the signing of Onana, how comfortable he is at the ball of his feet. Um, he's got a voice on him for a keeper. Yeah. He's not I mean, he became my favourite player when he screamed at Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's, that's a thing United have been missing, especially from the back. Yeah, because De Gea is not. I'd say since we lost Fidish and Ferdinand, that voice went. It's like a yeah, absolutely. I mean, no. this might be a bit of resurgence with Martinez now potentially. But it's like, as as it's a like voice, language barrier coming in. And, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. As an actual yeah. voice, I think yeah. Onar is a perfect fit. Uh, shot stopping, passing, vision, pivot again for your defenders, uh, like we talked about before. I I, I just think. From what I've seen, from what other people have talked about, I think United have picked up probably one of the go-to available keepers out there, if not the best. Yeah, yeah absolutely. A couple. Of, I think there's a couple of things for me when it comes to Onana. I think, first of all, one thing I'm excited for next season is not getting that weird feeling in my stomach when the ball got passed back to De Gea and wondering yeah. what's going to happen. Like I, I feel like I could sit and watch Martinez ping it back to Onana and know that I don't... I could probably look away and know that we wouldn't concede. Whereas if that was De Gea, I'd be like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? Is he going to miss it, kick it out, give a throw away? Are we losing the ball? One thing that really annoyed me about United last season was how we just never kept the ball down and on the floor and moved it quickly. We we, would get to this panic station and De Gea would pick it up and just hoof it to their defensive line and then we'd give possession away. Um, I think with Onana, absolutely going to keep possession. I do have to say, I think... One thing that that holds a bit of a grey cloud over me for the Onana, um, I guess signing it's nothing on Onana. I think the way we treated the Haya was appalling. Um, yeah. What an absolute legend of the club, and hands down, without him, we could have fell much lower in the last few seasons in the league. And to just basically act as if he's no, basically act as if he died and just got rid of him completely. And it, it, you know, it was it was definitely a weird one. Um, don't know if you saw the news as well, by the way, um, Jordan, but Thibaut Courtois has um, an ACL injury. He went oh, out right. yeah, for the, pretty much the whole season. I reckon that's where De Gea is going. So there have been rumours um, that De Gea will 
finally complete that move to Real Madrid that never happened because of a fax yep. machine. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, back <laughs> in the day. Um, but yeah, no, Thibaut Courtois has um, ruptured his ACL, which could put him out for the entire season. So yeah. um, I think we see De Gea make his way over to Real Madrid. I don't see why they wouldn't. I think he's a, you know, he's a free agent. Quality yeah, sign. It's not a gamble. You know yeah, what you're getting. Family's there. I think he's a great shot stopper. Sadly, there's a weird feeling I get where I think, will he win the Champions League with them before we do? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. Um, the signings but, have made potential. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a one of those. But I think, yeah, with the, with the news on Courtois today, um, yeah, maybe yeah. that's where we see him going. But just statistically, just touching upon Onana, because obviously we've got a few things you can pick up off him from his season. Um, he's actually averaged 27.1 passes in his own half. Now, you yeah. compare that to De Gea, he was actually only 17.1. And he's actually got a 79.1% completion rate with his passing as well. I think we just kind of spoke about all that anyway. Um, yeah. I think one of the best ways to describe our transfer window, and I think you'd agree with me, Jord, we've now got a spine. Yeah, Straight through absolutely. the middle. Spine through the middle. And we've also now obviously got Maguire, who's been confirmed with West Ham. Um, we just saw, um, as we're recording tonight, Fred's gone, obviously, to Fenerbahce. Yep, Fenerbahce. Um, so I think, you know, we've got, um, Benjamin Pavard taps over Artadibo we're linked with could potentially replace yep. Maguire. So, yeah, I think the future is definitely bright. And I think what I really like about this transfer window more than anything is this is the first time I think we've seen Ten Hard pick who we want. Yeah, I think we, I think it shows that we are meaning business now in transfers. Yeah. Not only that, but we're actually releasing players. We're getting rid of the players we've wanted. The to dead wood, isn't it? For, yeah, we've been wanting yeah. to get rid of for years, but we've never had the managers. You've got Solskjaer giving Phil Jones contract <laughs> extensions. Like, no. like yeah. We've got a manager in. He's got his vision. He knows where we want to be. He knows how to get there. And he's slowly implementing that. And I think this transfer window is probably one of the best for uh, quite a while. I, I, um, I, can't, I can't lie to you, Joe. I'm so excited to see what Hoyland can do. I think it's really exciting for every Man United fan to be given this like project that we know yeah. nothing about. Like it, it's all great and all signing a player you know is going to score you 15 goals or 20 goals and, and it's great to have that confidence and reassurance that you're going to get that from that player but I think there's also something quite sweet and fun about just not knowing what yeah. you're going to get are you going to get 30 goals I mean a bit you know mad in the That's first season uh, are you going to get yeah. five goals you know what I mean I just think like he's so he's such an interesting like you look at him as well he looks like a schoolboy. it's just yeah. it's, it's so weird and I think for Man United fans, this will definitely be, whether it not, might not be the most successful season we have, it might be one of the most exciting. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, moving on to the second to last team we've got in this list, um, which is obviously Newcastle. Up the tune. Um, I mean, for me, two very good signings, like two unbelievable signings, well, one unbelievable signing. And two very good signings. Um, okay. Obviously, unbelievable one for me is Sandro Tonali. Um, When you've got uh, Serie A legends comparing you to the potential of Serie A legends mm-hmm. at such a young age. Um, 21, isn't he? Something like that. Yeah, I think so. 21, I yeah. mean, when this got announced, I was probably the most shocked I've been for a while. Um, never, ever expected him to leave. Um Milan. I just find it such a weird move, especially Newcastle. I mean, I get it. They're on the way up. They've got the... They've it's got like the that Villa thing more. we spoke about, isn't it? it's that pull. It's that like weird pull that these clubs are now yeah. having. Yeah. I mean, obviously Newcastle have been well-known in the Premier League, but they've yeah. never 
they've never got to the level that they did back in the back in Shearer the day. Days. Like yeah. Shearer days, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. I mean, a great signing, Sultan Um probably one of the one of, if not the one to watch. Yeah. Um I'm just very interested to see how he slots into this Newcastle team and how he's gonna do in the prem. Just touching upon something you mentioned when you first kind of introduced Nardi, you were talking about legends comparing him to kind of legends of the, the you know the Serie A. Um, you know, yeah. we took a look at some statistics from Tonali. The Champions League just gone. He actually created twenty-two chances. sorry, twenty-two, 22. chances. <laughs> twenty-two chances. Twenty-two chances in the Champions League last season. That is the most ever recorded by a Milan player since Clarence Seedorf in two thousand and six. So you want to talk about legends in Milan, Clarence Seedorf. Absolutely, quality player for you know, but just a quality player in general, not necessarily just from land to ha- to be able to record and break a record like that. Yeah, says yeah. something special about a twenty-one-year-old. Absolutely. Um, just just touch upon that as well. Sorry, he was actually also the yeah. number one in the Champions League, and um, for creating the most what we call big chances. So obviously yeah. chances that result in the goal or whatever. He's actually ahead of Kevin De Bruyne. If you you talk to any fan in the Premier League about Kevin De Bruyne's ability to create big chances, and you've got. Tonali doing it on the biggest stage in Europe. Yeah. More than De Bruyne, who, let's be honest, made it further than Tonali as well in the actual Champions League. Yeah, by a stage. By a stage. <laughs> you know, he still had more chances to do that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. as, as well, that on top of being such a young player, um, I think it just shows what his potential could be and why so many people speak highly of him. And then you, you're talking about, you know, Declan Rice 105 mil. Jude Bellingham, yep. 120 mil, 55 mil. Half of Declan Rice's salary. Uh, sorry, for, half of Declan Rice's wage. pay. Wage, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, pay. Transfer fee. And you get Sanders and Ollie. Transfer fee, that's the one. Yeah. God, it's, it, just so you all know, by the way, guys, it's 1 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's late we're doing so, this. Um, yeah, it is late. But yeah, we're getting through it. Um, getting there. So the next one, which I think is a very good one, um, is Livermento. Yeah, okay. Um, obviously... I think he was a Chelsea product, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Livermento, um, no, Southampton. I thought he went from Chelsea to Southampton. Oh, yeah, he might have done, yeah, because he he's, he's a Southampton youngster, but obviously they got relegated, hence the hence the release. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was from Chelsea. I might be wrong yeah. in that, so blast me in the comments if I am. Um, again, another player um, whose potential spoke about how good he can be. And joining this Newcastle team, right back, so Trippier's back up. Trippier's spot, yeah, yeah. Um, but he also plays left back. He is versatile. Yeah. Play both. So whether we see Dan Byrne getting dropped Carl out. Dan Byrne is a top six left back. The guy's big, like the guy's like the BFG, and yeah. he's a left back. It just yeah, doesn't make Yeah, but fair play. But yeah. Um, well, touch upon Livermento actually, yeah, because yeah. we're talking about stats and stuff, and, and what maybe he offers from from that kind of position, and um, from the left back position, he actually has more interceptions um, compared to any other fullbacks in the Prem. Um, he actually commits into two point nine interceptions per every game. But what is is kind of where he's really good um, is his pace, um, and that's where they, I yeah. guess he offers a counter attack for Newcastle. Yeah, and I think that's a good alternative, obviously for Trippier. Um, don't get me wrong. Trippier's ability with the actual ball itself, mm-hmm. unbelievable for a right back. But in today's day, day and age, obviously the age of Trippier is all coming into effect year by year. I think 28, probably, 28, 29, is he? He's got to be older than that, surely. You think he's older? I don't know. Keep talking, I'm going to have a look. Yeah, I'm, have a look 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 I'm sure he's older than that. I'd be surprised if he's not because he looks, <laughs> he looks worse for wear. Oh, he's 32. Um, 
Well, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. But no, Liverman, I'm excited to see a young kid, obviously another young talent coming through. Yeah. Can he do it in the Premier League? Yeah. Uh, Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes. Now, another relegated player. Whenever I watched Leicester, um, he was one of the most exciting when he got in the ball. He was the hope. Bought Leicester, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, it's a weird signing for me. Um, to go to Newcastle. I mean, I get it, because obviously they've just got rid of St. Maximin. Yeah, yeah, he's gone to um, Al-Hilaf, or Al-Hilaf, one of them. Yeah, one of, one of the One of the uh, many Saudis. Saudi rich clubs. Yes. Um, but obviously, whenever I watch Newcastle, or whenever United obviously played against Newcastle, whenever St. Maximin got on the ball, I was more scared of him than any other t- player on that team. Yeah, yeah. His ability um, to drive and take players on. His flair, I don't even think he knows what he's going to do half the time. Yeah. Which obviously is a player's worst nightmare. Because if the player do not know what they're going to do, then you're not going to know what they're going to do either. Um, so can he fill Can he fill the boots of St. Maximum? I believe he can. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of ties you into a really good point, by the way, because I think one thing you got from St. Maximum that you also maybe got from the likes of Adama Traore at Wolves was this player that had this amazing ability to take players on and, and pace and get into that kind of area to score and then just not yeah. doing that take a look at Harvey Barnes statistics in the last three seasons he's got double figures so um, you know he can score he's a finisher that's, that's what he does he puts the ball in net so if you take a look in the last three seasons he scored 13, 11 and 13 in all competitions this is a lesser yep. side that got relegated as well so you know this this guy definitely you know will give the goals he's already scored two I think this preseason scored two in one match um, as well for, for Newcastle so yeah, yeah, scored two in one match. So yeah, he's definitely a goal scorer. He'll offer he'll offer the same maximum pace, but with the ability to finish. Yeah. So I mean, I, th- I think it's more of a solid um, transfer window for Newcastle. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's absolutely unbelievable, um, but I think it's I think it's up there. I think uh, for I think, what for what they need and what they've yeah. replaced and what they brought in, absolutely. Yeah. I think Newcastle. You know, people forget with Newcastle they are one of the most expensive, sorry, richest clubs in the Premier League. But I think what they do yeah. so well is they buy the right players. They don't just go out and buy hundred million pound players when they could do. They've got the money to. Obviously, there's the financial fair play rule, which slightly affects Newcastle. I'm pretty sure as well. But they, yes, I, I think know. so. Yeah, because uh, of the money they spent on Isaac and stuff as well. I think there's, I think there's something. But either yeah. way, whether that's there or not, I think what they they're definitely doing is they're buying for the future. These are young players. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last but not least for the transfer windows, lovely Spurs. <laughs> so Spurs has always been, believe it or not, a soft spot uh, kind of team for me. Okay. Um, so back in the day when he had Van der Vaart, um, who was one of my favourite players at that time. Um, okay. Yeah, I've always had a little soft spot for Spurs. Um, very interesting transfer window. Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you apart from Madison I don't really know much about the other two signings it wouldn't surprise me if Tottenham players uh, Tottenham fans didn't know either (laughs) Um, obviously we know the basics um, but the only one we can speak with knowledge about is James Madison another relegated player um, coming back up 40 million uh, they paid for him I think it's a very very good signing for Tottenham I think it's Mm -hmm. exactly what they need um, I think their midfield has been lacking for some time now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think Madison, the addition of Madison, um, what he brings to the team, 
it's just especially behind Kane as well. Uh, well Kane doesn't need any help. Well, or if it, that's if he, well, if yeah. But then, uh, argument's sake, argument's sake, Kane stays. Yeah. If, if not, I can see Richarlison potentially slotting into that uh, starting striker spot. And then that's just another. I mean, we've seen him at Everton. I never had an unreal season. Mm-hmm. Maybe it works at Spurs for him. Um, but Madison, we know what he can do on the ball. We know how good of a dead ball, a dead ball specialist he is as well. Interested to see what he can do at Tottenham. Yeah, I think with Madison as well, the vibe I get with James Madison is almost when Tottenham had the prime Deli Alley. It's yes. that similar kind of creative. I will take a shot midfield and cam role that they haven't had for a while yeah. i think if they do get a similar kind of prime deli alley when he was at spurs in madison i think they'll do really well to kind of provide them i think realistically from a top perspective if it's not cool or son providing there isn't really much other providing that comes in but madison obviously offers obviously offers the outlet through midfield to, to kind of offer something different as well but statistically yeah. just taking a look at kind of what he's done in the Premier League Leicester um, actually averaged 1.5 goals per game every time Madison played however when he wasn't playing in the starting lineup they only got 0.8 so kind of you know pads up the uh, idea that he provides yeah I mean it just the proofs in the stats obviously if he's in the team you know you're getting that more creative game going uh, more opportunities to score yeah um so, yeah, the next two, obviously, we've got Mickey van der Ven. We'll talk about him because, obviously, 43 million um, isn't a light spend. No. Nope. Um, like we said, I, I, personally, I don't know anything about the next these two players, uh, these no. two people. Mickey van der Ven statistically just kind of, I can reel off statistics that we kind of discovered. I mean, he made 53.2 yeah. passes per 90 last season um, at a success rate of 88.3%, um, but made just 2.6 progressive passes per 90. So, you know, looking at the statistics, he's he's great at kind of moving the ball and yeah. backwards. And, like you know, yeah, absolutely. Going forwards, offering that killer pass, not really. No, he no. hasn't really offered that. Um, don't get me wrong, he's not. I think what is it with Wolfsburg? Is it Wolfsburg yes. he's come yeah, from? Wolfsburg. Yeah, obviously not the most amazing team. Not got the most amazing strikers, most amazing wingers. I mean, they're still a very good team. They've obviously struggled. Not they've not been at the heights that they've been in the Bundesliga previously. Yeah, um, but you know maybe he he has a bit more chance putting it into Son. Maybe he has a bit more confidence going forwards. But I think yeah, he's definitely that kind of holding midfield player. And then obviously Vicario, which you've got quite an interesting point about Vicario and why he might have joined, haven't you? Yeah, so uh, I believe they could be potentially looking at releasing Larice. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen, whether that's true, I don't know. Um, be interesting to see. Uh, I think Larice has gone off, not gone off the boil, but I think that he's man had, has struggled a lot. Yeah. yeah. The past couple of seasons, I think he's from what he used to be anyway. Yeah. I don't think he's anywhere near what he could be. So I could see this being a potential. A replacement, yeah, whether it's a straight that. replacement or a backup, I don't know. But again, another keeper that I've never heard of when there was good level Premier League players that are better than the Reese currently that you could have got. Yeah, for. yeah, I think statistically as well. So he's a Serie A keeper for anybody who doesn't know that's where he's come from. Um, he actually statistically prevented uh, during the 2021 22 and the 2022 23 season, he prevented 4.6 non penalty goals. So obviously, saves from any kind of standard shot. Um, he's actually the second best keeper in the Serie A statistically, so it's an interesting fact. Oh, yeah, second best. Don't know who the first is, but yeah, 
he's the second best anyway, so that's all that matters. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing the first best keeper probably would have been Napoli's potentially. Could have been. Yeah, could have been. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Or Chesney. I don't know. Just yeah. Good, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, they go. Anyway. Being second best keeper in this area anyway, when there's obviously quite a plethora of good keepers in there, that's it's not a bad. It's mad when I see a stat like that, and I don't know who this guy is, but I guess I don't follow Serie A. So there you go. Yeah, it's well, that's kind of the issue, isn't it? When you see these uh, foreign players come over, there's some more in the spotlight than others. Um, but I just think that's that just shows how not attractive, but. I don't even know how much the spotlight is on an individual when a team is so reliant or has a superstar, essentially, yeah. that they want to keep. Um, obviously, we don't know Picario, whether he does well, whether he comes in straight as number one, whether he's a backup, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, very... Uh, way. Yeah, I mean, it's looking in the right direction for Spurs. And um, 17 million for the second best keeper in the Serie A? Not I mean, bad. you can't really complain. No. Um, we've if he is as good as the Saturday. on Onana, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, statistically, well, could be better than we have the United tax, which is an extra <laughs> fifty million. Everybody, yeah. So, you know. But uh, that's it for the transfer roundup. Obviously, we know there's a lot of other teams, but with the time and the information we want to speak about certain signings and players, we will speak about players throughout the season who's yeah. making an impact for other teams. Um, so moving on next, we have our Premier League predictions. Fantastic. Um, and we can't so, both say United first. No, I mean, United, <laughs> unfortunately, for me, isn't first anyway. But uh, no, not for me either. Do you want but, to go yeah, first? No, I think or if, do you want to go second? If, yeah, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll go. I'll go my first. First of all, I'll go my top four, and then you can go your bottom four, and then I'll, we'll, we'll switch it up. Or bottom three. Yeah, bottom three. Sorry, of course. Yeah. Bottom four. What am I thinking? <laughs> the top four. I think. I think for me, um, I do think City win the league again. I think, um, you know, they they are a treble winning team for a reason. They've for me made improvements. I think the Kovacic Gundogan one's a bit difficult. Gundogan is obviously a fantastic player. Obviously, um, you know, a bit of a diamond in the rough. I'd almost say for City. I don't think even they expected yeah. him to offer as much as he did. No. But you know, Kovacic's very good player. We'll see what he can do. I think Gavardiol is fantastic. One of the you know one of the best players coming out of the Bundesliga. He's been touted to join the Premier League for ages. I think yeah, City's going to win. Yep. I think second place is tough for people. I'm going to go, and it pains me to say this, but I actually have got Liverpool taking second place. Um, yeah, I know, I know, I know. After everything I said, um, I think it's going to be tight this season. I, no. I really do think Liverpool have the chance to really push City all the way. I think we haven't seen the best, like we said earlier, of Liverpool's yep. players. I think if they can keep Brierson Diaz fit and they can keep Cody Gakpo and Darwin Nunes has a bit because Darwin Nunes is, is, is as far as he's convinced, he's, he's about to have the best season of his life. So <laughs> if all that lines up, we'll still see. I've got them coming second. For me, we've got United finishing third. I think we do go above Arsenal this season. I'm going to put Arsenal fourth just to finish it off. Um, I think I, I do generally think that this that we've got the chance with the players that we've got with a bit more depth and we've got rid of the Deadwood and we're going to be playing the best teams that we can put out and not just squad fillers to fill the space as we're resting somebody. I think yep. we've got a real chance of going for third. I might be being a bit optimistic with third, but I do I think we're finishing well. the top four. But I'm going to go us third, Arsenal fourth. Right, okay. Interesting. Um, so I'll do my bottom three. And, um, I, obviously, we know Luton Town, Ross Barkley on a three. Mad. 
I mean, we Weird. could have spoken about that. Out of, yeah, we could have done. But yeah. it was, again, it's one of them teams out of nowhere. I don't even know where he's popped up from. I think it was it Nice. nice. Yeah, with Schmeichel, yeah. Um, I just, weird. I Very, just it's just going, all weird. Doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, just, yeah, he come out on the on the pitch and he looked like an umpalumpal with a kit on in the background. Um, <laughs> Every time I think of Ross Bartley, I can always remember the time he celebrated before he scored. Yeah, remember that goal? That's that. That's just the one image that stands out for me. Um, but yeah, I can see Lewin Sounds going straight back down. Obviously, they've not really done any business. I don't believe. Literally, just Ross Barkley. I think off the top of my head. Um. Next, uh, it's quite a hard one. I've. Do you think Sheffield United still? No. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, sorry, I do it in order. Um, but yeah, I don't think Sheffield United again. I just don't think they have the capability to stay up, get as many points as they do. Um, yeah. Because I feel like teams like Everton and West Ham. Uh, who struggled last season? I don't think they struggle as much. Mm. Um, I can just see it being a bigger gap at the bottom than it was last year. Yeah. Um, and then for my last team, even though I don't want to go them, I'm going to go Nottingham Forest. Oh, okay. Um, it's a big shout. Um, so Matt Turner's just joined them, hasn't he? Because obviously they, they were yes. with Dean Henderson for ages and they were yeah. making permanent and once again, another United deal fell through. Fell so through. Matt Turner, the Arsenal second choice, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, second, I believe Yeah, he was, yeah, because he played in cup games last season. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just can't... Good keeper. Yeah, I just can't see him staying up. Uh, again, my view. If you want to slander me, slander me, go for it. But... <laughs> Nah, um, they've got a few good players. Gibbs White, a uh, very good player, mm-hmm. who I can see. Don't know how he's not made a big move yet. Um, very surprised at that. I think for me, the biggest surprise with <laughs> Forrest, um, the player that they've kept, I didn't think they would, is Brennan Johnson. Yeah, I mean... I think he's got real potential. I know he got linked with... I can't remember who it was he was linked with. Um, but I know he got linked with a big club. So yeah, yeah, he he's a good player, but yeah, I think yeah, yeah I, I think I can I can kind of agree with you on some of them. To be fair, yeah, I, I mean, to me, Brennan Johnson, he's just not. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's lightning. He's mm-hmm. he's seriously lightning. I just don't think he's got the physical, yeah, okay, physicality yeah. about him to make any huge difference that Nottingham Forest side. I think yeah. Gibbs White's their main their main go to player. I think he's the one who drives Nottingham Forest through everything. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's my bottom three for going down. So awesome. Um, bottom my bottom three. three then would be. I think I'm gonna have to put Luton in there as well. I th- yep. think. Um, you know, I think it's just a tough one in it. I think I think they got pretty lucky to beat a Coventry team that probably deserved to be in the Prem yep. more than Luton did. Um, but that's the beautiful game that we watch it for. That's what happens. It went to a penalty shootout and it's 50-50 in penalty shootouts, yeah. isn't it? You can't, you can't really, you know, I think they got a bit lucky. I think Coventry would beat themselves up about that one because I think they're a good team. I think they probably would have had a better chance in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I think Luton going down. I've also got, unfortunately, Sheffield United down there as well. Yeah. Um, I think the Sheffield United that we used to have in the Prem was just under good management, had good players. I don't think they've, They've got, I mean, is Ollie McBurney still their striker? Is he, is he still? 
Don't think not so. Too sure. yeah. Oh, is he not? Okay. Yeah, I'm not. Don't so this so. is, you know, I really clearly clear need to get my knowledge of Sheffield United up before the season starts. Um, um, if you are, carry on. But yeah, no. So I've got them going down. The only. Oh, wait, bit... no, yes. Sorry, yeah. Oh, sorry the for interrupting. Yeah. The only bit that differs in my bottom three from yours is I haven't got Forrest going down because remember they've just signed Anthony Langer. Um, so I think yeah, he's, he'll do well for them. I think I think they've got more chance of staying up than Wolves. I think Wolves are doomed yeah, this season. Yeah. So obviously being, like I said, a, a lad who lives in and around Birmingham, I've got a lot of Wolves fans. So friends who are Wolves fans as well. Um, lots of turmoil about their owners. Or owners aren't yeah. spending a penny. Everyone is being sold. Um, there's a possibility that they don't even have a proper full team to be kind of, you know, fielded when they play against us, like an actual yeah. full start 11. They, they aren't pulling teams from the under-21s. Now they've just had their manager, Locatelli, who was, I think, a quality manager, maybe not at Wolves, but he is a quality manager. He's just yeah. walked out. You know, they've got, you know, own, is it O'Neill now? O'Neill, um, yeah. Yeah, Bournemouth, ex-Bournemouth. Obviously, he kept them up, but is he really going to do the same with Wolves? I don't I don't think so. I think their owners aren't doing enough. Their fans are losing faith. They haven't got the players. Yeah. They haven't replaced anyone. I mean, when you lose Ruben Neves, who, let's be honest, was probably the biggest creator for Wolverhampton Wanderers, who probably yeah. scored how many free kicks and how many important goals from 25 yards out. I know he did it against us God knows how many times. Um, that's um, what I was about to say. I'm just yeah, so happy he just loved it against us. <laughs> and he's not in that team. I'm just... Replaced yeah. it. No replacement for him. You've got Raul Jimenez. Obviously, they're, they're, you know, he, he's not really been the same since his head injury, but he's still, you know, still a, a finisher. He's gone to yeah. Fulham, haven't replaced him. Yeah. Um, it's, I it's think it's, tr- it's definitely trouble site, uh, troubling yeah, times for Wolves. Your top uh, four. My top four. So, obviously, say number one, I mean, treble winners added a f- couple of people, uh, Kovacic and Gvardiol. Um, Hoping to keep on to Bernardo and Walker. Bernardo being, I think, one of the biggest players they need to hold on to. Yeah. Um, I think losing Gundogan's going to be a hit in some of the bigger games for them. I feel like he was a player who really steps up when it comes to that big stage. Um, mm-hmm. So now it's time for someone else to fill in some shoes. So number two, uh, I am actually going to go to Man United. <laughs> okay. You're definitely getting hate in the comments. <laughs> Listen, that's that's fine. Um, I want to hear it though. Yeah, I mean, Onana for me is a step in the right direction goalkeeping wise. I know De Gea had the most clean sheets, mm-hmm. um, unbelievable shot stopper. Um, but Onana is a great shot stopper as well, um, yeah. as we've seen. Um, I feel like that distribution and the comfortability to play out from the back that he gives us um, just relieves so much pressure. Teams will be scared to press us just mm. from what he can produce on his own. Uh, yep. Yeah, obviously the addition of Mount adds so much more in our midfield. Um, don't forget we had Ericsson before he was injured. He was unbelievable during that time. When he came back, he just didn't, he never looks the same as what he did previously. Uh, so I think having that engine next to Casemiro um, and then obviously playing off Bruno, I think adds another level in our midfield. Hoyland, like you said before, is that unknown, whether Mm. dreams will come true for him? I hope it does, for obviously our sake. Um, But I can just see us, it finally feels like an United camp that the attitudes are starting to turn. 
Yeah. I feel like we went through that stint when we had Pogba, Lingard. It just felt like there was too much messing around. No one's taking it serious, just there for a laugh. I feel Ten Hag's come in, set a bar. It, this is how it's being done. If you don't like it, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I do hope for is a replacement centre-back if Ferran yeah. gets injured. Because if that happens and, if um, and we don't have one, yeah. Maguire's gone, we are in trouble. Um yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like Anthony's had his season now. He had a decent season. Don't get me wrong, price tag ridiculous, but he had a decent season. I just feel like the United man. I don't know. Got he's got the, he's got the vibe. Just got the feeling <laughs> for this year. Um, third, I'm going to go with Arsenal. Okay. Uh, addition Timber to the defence. I think that just solidifies their defence even more from last year. Um. I can't see Saka having as good as a year as he did last year. Okay. Um, the only thing that worries me about Arsenal is that striker. Obviously, they had Nketiah there last season. Yeah, Jesus has to be fit. Jesus, if Jesus isn't fit, I think Arsenal could be in trouble. Well, then you're going to go back to what Chelsea were doing with Havertz, aren't you? You're going to have exactly, to. exactly, yeah. and I just can't. And zero assists and seven goals is what you offered in the Prem, so exactly. Um, and fourth's quite a hard one for me. Um, there's so much of you that doesn't want to put Liverpool there. It's a toss. It's just this is yeah, but it doesn't mind. I don't mind putting rivals there because it's. I'm going to be true. They're below the United. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's a toss up between Newcastle and Liverpool. I think Newcastle had oh, a wow, very. Newcastle, okay. I think Newcastle had a very good season last year. Um. I feel the addition of Tanala just takes that midfield up to a different level than it's ever been. Mm. Um, obviously, defence, they've added Livermento, um, helps out Walker, not Walker, Trippier, sorry. Um, doesn't put much too strain on him. I just, yeah, I just see him edging out Liverpool. I can't see, I, I don't know. I've, I've just not got a feeling about Nunes, goal scorer, I think we haven't, seen, form. we haven't really seen the best of Isaac either. No, but for really a young kid stints. coming up, yeah. yeah, I feel like the potential's there and who knows with Tanali. He, could, he could have a good season. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's my top four rounded off. Um, how wrong could we be at the end of the well, season? Well, <laughs> anybody, honestly, in the comments, it's, we want to be able to go into the next video and read your guys' comments and involve you guys and, you know, yeah. post to see what you say. So we want, if you're watching this, your top four, your bottom three, and we'll see kind of where we end up at the end of the season and yeah, you know, we'll talk about the next episode. Absolutely. Um, so trying to, f- got a few more topics left that we can pretty much fly through. Yeah. Um, surprise team. Who's your surprise team for this season? My surprise team, I've gone with Burnley. Um, Okay. I think Vincent Company's got a real steady ship going on over there. I think, um, you know, you, we talked about earlier about players playing for the badge, about the desire to win. I, I'm telling you now, it is not easy to get more than 100 points in the Championship. It's 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 just no. not. The Championship is one of the hardest leagues in the world for a reason. It's competitive. It's Every team's got the chance of beating everybody. And I think to get more than 100 points and to do it the way that Burnley did it last season was absolutely incredible. And yep. I think to have the bounce back that they did back to the Prem under Vincent Company, who was progressed as a manager from his dime, um, it was at RS Andelect, am I correct in saying? He was an it was the Andelect boss, wasn't he, in Belgium? Yeah. 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 Obviously, then went over to Burnley. It was a bit of a new thing for him. I think he's learned a lot from his time at City. And I think, yeah, I think 
I'm going to go as far as saying that they finish 14th or 15th or 15th, 14th up. I don't think they're even yeah. anywhere near a relegation battle. You don't and think they're going to be anywhere near? It's a tough okay. place to go, Burnley. It's not an easy ground to go and get three points. Yeah, I get that. I mean, he's been working him. I think they had like a three-week break after their league finished and they were straight back mm. into pre-season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, company means business this year. Let's just see if his team can actually provide Sorry. for him. Um, Who are you going with? So, so, my surprise team, last year kind of ruined it. Okay. I've gone with Villa. Now, I know okay. Villa finished seventh last season. Yeah. But I think they overachieved massively last season. Okay. But I think they'll do the same again this year. Just think you had Chelsea obviously had a really bad season, finished below them. So Liverpool that's another... didn't have a great start. Liverpool didn't have a good season. Brighton finished above we them. We didn't have a good um, start either. Think about it. We lost our first, you know, three or four games really, didn't we? Yeah, I just feel Villa this year. I know they finished seventh last year and people are gonna buy it's not a surprise. I think I think if you said Villa in the top seven again this year, that'd be a surprise for a lot of people. Yeah, I think especially I think with the... the window that most teams have had. Yeah, and having yeah. Europe to deal with. Exactly. I know it's literally the Mickey Mouse Conference European Cup, but it's still Europe. It's I mean, still I think Europe. for Villa and what they maybe the other fans won't like. People will say, "Oh, it's obviously harder to have Champions League games. Your competition is bigger." But what you've got to remember with football and especially like Conference League is. These, these travel times are long. These are traveling to yeah. countries very far away. These aren't local Europe nights in Paris or in Germany, you know, an hour in a plane. Some of these people that they're playing against are six-hour flights away, five-hour flights away. These are, you know, this is this takes it out of people. It's a long travel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next thing is your underperforming team. So which team do you think will underperform this season? Yes, Hmm. I think the team I'm going to go with for this, and I'm going with this based on how good of a season they had last season, and I just don't think with how much their team has been stripped apart, they'll do the same again. I'm going to go with Brighton. Um, I was going to say this. Was you? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fine then. Great minds think alike. Yeah. yeah, I think Joe Pedro, I think Joe Pedro will be good. I think they've just lost so yeah. much of their talent. Yeah, Jao Pedro. They're I think. probably still going to lose Casido. Yeah, so you obviously lost McAllister. Caicedo's probably on his way out. Uh, they lost Trossard last January. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matoma's been linked with a potential move away as well. Yeah, so... I think if they lose Matoma, then I think Brighton won't be anywhere near as what he was last season. Uh, obviously Sanchez, their keeper. Lost, yeah, lost, lost Sanchez. Sanchez well, yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see Ferguson if he does. I know they brought in Pedro. But Evan if Ferguson, Ferguson plays a bit more this season, I'm interested to see because he looks like he could mean business. Anybody listening to this podcast that plays FM knows <laughs> who Evan Ferguson is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's uh yeah. For anybody who doesn't know who we're referring to, Evan Ferguson is a Irish young player that played a few games, did score a few goals as well for Brighton last yeah. season. He's on the up and coming. He's been compared to um obviously there's not been many incredible um Irish strikers, but obviously Robbie Keane is yep. is the player that comes to mind. People have said he's got the chances to, to do numbers that Robbie Keane did when he you know he gets on in his career. So I mean that's a lot to go by. So yeah. Absolutely. Um so next is rising stars. 
mesmerise myself. So if you've got a couple, I'll allow you a couple. Yeah, just I have got a couple. Got a couple. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple. Yeah, I'm going to go with first of all. I think one of City's best academy players, um, probably for a while now. I'm going to go Cole Palmer. Um, yeah. Cole Palmer for me. I know it's a touchy subject to talk about the type of the player I'm about to say, but I'm using it for reference. But he reminds me very much of when we had Mason Greenwood before everything happened in the news. He's a young English player that I think has got the potential. Like he, everything he hits turns to gold. He, yeah. He's one of those, like, he picks it up and he finishes it. Obviously, he's an under-21, um, you know, is it World Cup or Euros? Is it Euros? Oh, Euros, it was Euros. Yeah. Under-21 Euros winner. Um, I think he's got great potential. I think, why, what What other manager apart from Pep would you want at that age, you know, coming yeah. up and being given the opportunity? I think he's, he's going to be fantastic. Um, leading me on to my second player, another player who's just won the under-21s Euros, I think Trafford, the new Burnley keeper. I All right, okay. he's going to be um, a, a solid keeper. Obviously, saved a massive penalty, double save in the finals against Spain. Um, yeah. I think he looked really, really good. And for a player to join from, I can't remember where it was he came from, but I know it wasn't a big club for 20 something million he went to Burnley for. Big, big signing for a young lad like that. So, yeah, I yeah, think absolutely. He's, he's definitely a rising star as well. Interesting. Um, don't know why. Going up another villa. Uh, okay. It's my first one. Uh, so it's Cameron Archer. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So obviously, he had his loan at Middlesbrough last year. Uh, Middlesbrough fans have absolutely adored him. Um, I think he scored 11 in 20, which for someone under 21 um, is is good going. Yep. Um, again, part of the under 21s and the Euros team. I think he scored a couple of goals in that tournament as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he provides a very good backup option for Watkins. Um, maybe potentially start both of them. Uh, but yeah, I think for his age, what he can do, he's got Emery as his manager, which could lead him decently. Mm-hmm. But I think, obviously, coming off the back of last year, can he do it in the Prem? Uh, I know he's a young kid, but that's the way things are going now. Young kids are stepping up to the plate. Leads me on to my next one. Yes, it's United. Um, I knew it would be. I feel like this, yeah, this, I mean, I was stuck between two. Um, my, my my one from Liverpool was going to be Curtis Jones. I think okay, he's yeah. going to step up to another level this season. But I feel, yeah, Garnacho, Alejandro. Yeah, he, he was on my uh, list as well, yeah. This kid is just... Special. Is Yeah, there's just something about him. Um, and it just... Watching him in pre-season, this season, it reminds me of when Ronaldo first joined. Oh, that is a statement. It is. Um, but don't forget when Ronaldo first joined United, he's obviously nowhere near the player that he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Madrid. yeah it is today, yeah. But when Ronaldo joined, we had a kid, cocky, fast, strong, and he's just got that. It's, he's just him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he looks very frightening. He's raw. Um, I feel like Ten Hag's going to bring the best out of him. I can see him starting and starting this season. Obviously, I think we didn't he, see it last I season. Because obviously, we mentioned earlier, didn't we, that Hoyland's injured? I yes. think we'll see Rashford start up front and Ganacho play on the left, I think, against Wolves on Monday. Yeah. yeah. So, honestly, I hope he starts this season. Um, we used him on off the bench a lot last season. 
mm-hmm. uh, Tanag said he wasn't quite ready to start, which I do agree with. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel like he made much more of an impact coming off. But I think now, just start start the kid, let him run, let him let do him what go, he wants. Release him. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I feel like United have got a very, very, very special player on the runs. Yeah, I think the other thing I just wanted to quickly touch upon with Ganacho, especially from my personal feelings as a Man U fan when I watch us play, it can be frustrating seeing Anthony and Sancho who don't ever want to take the defender on. Ganacho yeah. is the complete opposite. He will take anybody on, take you down the byline, cut inside you, dribble it, step overs, flare, whatever. To see a player that just wants to constantly take you on and create, it's, it's, it's the only other player we've ever had like that is Rashford. He's the only other player that's ever d- delivered a, a cut in or take somebody on. Now we've got Ganacho. Uh, yeah, the future is the future is literally um, bright for that kid. Yeah, uh, like I said, as long as he keeps his head on his shoulders, um, focuses on his football, listens to Ten Hag, takes in everything, and doesn't get his just just don't. He's already he's already got a kid, hasn't he? And he's already getting married. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A kid. Yeah, I think so. In his Mrs. Pregnant. Sure? I'm pretty know. sure. Keep talking. Yeah, I'm going to find sure. out. But as we see with a lot of youngsters nowadays, they think they've made it when they start getting into the first squad, not even into the team, just in the squad. Um, and that just, yeah, I hope it doesn't happen for Garnacho. I can't see it. With so, Tenag, but yeah. just share it. 18-year-old Garnacho and 16-year-old partner are having a baby boy. Oh, right. Okay. Nothing well, I mean, against congratulations. young Congratulations. And, you know, all of that. Yeah. But, you know, no, absolutely. so I think one thing that helps us in this scenario is at least we know Gacho is not going to be messing about with women all around Manchester <laughs> and bloody doing things he shouldn't well, be doing at his age. Don't be saying that, no, because... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, anyway. We'll get into that, yeah. <laughs> um, we know what uh, some footballers get up to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, as long as he keeps his on his shoulders. Bloody kid both, in the ring. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it matures him as a yeah. person. So he's yeah. not as... He's yeah. got to provide for his, his baby now, isn't it? That's, you know... Absolutely, so... But, yeah... Uh, well, that's an hour and 50 minutes. Uh, it's an hour and 50 minutes. And we didn't think we were going to do 45 minutes. Just so everybody knows, we thought yeah. 45 minutes is what we were going to do today. So, but, I don't know. Um, First podcast, obviously not every podcast will probably be two hours. I think the transfers yeah. was the biggest talking point. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward uh, to the season. A uh, lot of interesting teams, players, outcomes. Uh, I don't know. It'll be a weird season, I think. I don't think everything's going to go as planned. I definitely think it's going to be way more competitive. This is probably, yeah. I would, I've even said that this could potentially be the most competitive season we've ever had. I think we could be close on points from as first all the way down to as far as ninth, eighth. I think it'll be that, I think it could be that close this season. I think every team yeah. has brought new players in every team has changed captains not every team teams are changing captaincies Reese James announced as Chelsea new captain Bruno Fernandes announces United's new captain yeah. Van Dijk announces Liverpool's new captain you know yeah. there's changes happening um potential captain captain change at Tottenham Spurs yeah exactly. Kane goes um so I think we're in a we're in a we're in a, a position where if you are the neutral viewer and you don't support any of these teams you're in for an extremely Goal fest exciting Premier League. I think for the fans, yeah. we're going to be having stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, as always. Uh, yeah. I think neutrally, you've got an exciting season ahead. And I think to kind of finish it all off, uh, Jordan, round it up, I think it would only be fair yeah. that we give a score prediction for the first game of the season tomorrow, City versus Burnley, and see what we think. 
Yeah, uh, obviously Burnley's at home. Uh, City are the travelling team. I don't think it's going to be as an easy game as what people think. Um, mm. An interesting stat, uh, Haaland hasn't scored in his past six or seven City games now. Mm-hmm. Um, However, though, another interesting stat for you, he scores most of his goals against newly promoted sides. Yeah. So, there's um, a... There's a... I don't. I think it's obviously it's a massive step up for Burnley. You playing yeah. a team that's literally just won the treble. Yeah. Um, as long as they don't get lost um, in that mindset, yeah. I feel I'll probably go for a three-one. Three-one City to sit. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I think if you're Burnley, you're going into that game with nothing to lose. First game of the season, newly promoted team from the, from the Championship. No one expects you to do a thing against treble winning City. Yeah, the pressure's not on you as a Burnley player. I don't think. I think the pressure's hundred percent on City to start the season well because they have a title to hold on to. Yeah. Especially, it doesn't look good for them if they lose to a newly promoted Championship side. Yes, Absolutely. Burnley are good, but I think the pressure. I think if you're Burnley, you go out there tomorrow and you wear your heart and your sleeve and you you, you just have fun. You, you know, you enjoy being in the Prem again um, for that first game of the season. I think. And there's a part of me, and it's a very small part that I just think there could be an upset. I really do think there could be an upset. I think. It just, but I don't think that's what the score will be. I just have a part of me. I think I don't know if that's the United part of me or that's just yeah, yeah. But I think prediction wise, I do unfortunately see it being. I'm going to go five one two. Yeah, I feel like yeah. uh, it's got a potential to be a blowout, but yeah. I'm hoping it's close. Just for just for, for the Burnley sake. and United. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last thing that I've just seen pop up: Liverpool okay. have submitted an official bid for Caicedo. Mm-hmm. And Brighton is set to accept. How much have they gone for? Set to break the English transfer record of up to a hundred and ten million pound fee. Do you know, if che- I've honestly said that, I said this since day one. When it comes to Casado, if Chelsea don't buy Casado, they are going to be in a lot of trouble next season, midfield-wise, defensively. That now cements Liverpool as a potentially unbelievable midfield free. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's been the transfer window. If you're a midfielder, you're laughing this transfer window. Yeah. Like, Jude, Rice. It's fine off it. Millions popping everywhere. Millionaires. Mount. No, honestly, honestly. But um, no, I think to kind of round up other podcast, obviously, we really, really appreciate it, guys. I know every YouTuber says this. I know everybody says it, but like and subscribe. It really, yeah. really does make the difference. Um, and please leave a comment, any feedback anything you wanted to talk about, any questions that you have for either of us for our opinion on things. Um, And also make sure you do follow our Twitter page as well, which will be in the description below. So you can see our live updates and everything that we're doing. Um, But yeah, no, we're looking forward to the season. We hope you guys are well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for tuning in boys and girls. See you later. (laughs) Yeah, always. (laughs)